moment. It is Health Naturally at 14 past 12. Dennis Stewart with us. Now, oils we're talking yeah. about, Dennis. And, and look, I, I want to take this up a little bit. Um, last week I touched briefly on the therapeutic potentials of cod liver oil, but during the week what I've been doing, I think I've intimated this before on, my pro- on this program, going through my library, trying to get rid of books that... Um, I'm not using any more, and every time I get one that I want to throw away, I find something in it that stops me throwing it away. And I was going through a lot of the old pharmacopoeias. Now, for the sake of listeners, pharmacopoeias are documents in which the therapeutic properties of old remedies and new remedies are written up, documented uses and dosages. And um, in what's called Martindale's Extra Pharmacopoeia, not well known these days, some pharmacists would still have copies of it, there was a good monograph on cod liver oil talking about the way where just prior to the Second World War, it was very, very popularly used in medicine. Now, this intrigued me because one of my contentions, uh, radical as it might sound, is that a lot of the old um, medical literature has uh, secrets in it which could be very, very useful if understood and reintroduced to mainstream medicine. And I've always been interested, as you know, in in the the topical benefits of of natural substances. So when I was looking at cod liver oil, um, I had a lot of my uh, belief about it confirmed. I said last week, for instance, uh, that cod liver oil, particularly prior to the Second World War and shortly thereafter, was used popularly in medicine as what we might call uh, a general tonic, particularly for the elderly, who, uh, to use a colloquial expression, were wasting. That is, something that happens, unfortunately, as we get older, is that we tend to get frail and we we tend to to shrink and and lose our flesh and momentum. And it was interesting that cod liver oil was seen in the older literature, in journals such as The Lancet, as being a useful tonic medication for ageing individuals to resist the detrimental effects of ageing, whereas functioning as a tonic, it stabilised or participated in lessening weight loss. Now, this is is quite a significant thing because in in traditional medicine, particularly Ayurvedic medicine, um, losing weight as we get older is seen as a very, very significant uh, detriment. And hanging on to weight is something that I think is important, unpopular as that might be, uh, amongst the ideologues. <laughs> I won't go any further on that. So what am I saying here? I'm saying for, for elderly people, and again, particularly at this time of the year, I see cod liver oil, have always seen it, but based on my reading, particularly this week, as being something that should be thought of very, very seriously as a general tonic, and more importantly, the role of cod liver oil in medicine again, prior to the Second World War and shortly thereafter, was in in addressing chronic respiratory conditions. So when one looks at the literature, even Martindale's Pharmacopoeia, a copy of which I have in front of me, we find that it was used and recommended for chronic bronchitis. It was used for more serious respiratory conditions. Its vitamin A and vitamin D content were considered to synergize and make it a very useful agent to fighting chronic respiratory infections. I see a lot of uh, chronically ill elderly patients with respiratory symptoms. They're the sorts of patients that, in my opinion, our understanding of cod liver oil today, if we still have an understanding of it, should be delivered to. Uh, One thing that puzzles me is why are we uh, encouraging 
people to to go and purchase uh, vitamin D tablets when we have an old-fashioned remedy that contains adequate levels of vitamin D, particularly with vitamin A, and probably much cheaper and much more natural. So looking at, uh, looking at this remarkable remedy, its nutritional benefits, that's how Martindale called it up, a nutritional tonic, particularly for the elderly but not restricted to them, a butte remedy for chronic respiratory conditions, particularly chronic bronchitis, and a useful vitamin A and vitamin D supplement. Why aren't we recommending it? Why aren't naturopaths, practitioners of natural medicine, recommending this old-fashioned remedy that, let me uh, say it again, was made famous and documented by the mainstream at that time in medicine uh, prior to the Second World War and shortly thereafter. Ah, but look, it gets better than this. It gets better than this. One of the outstanding things about cod liver oil uh, are its topical benefits. And these, again, I suggest, are not well understood uh, by natural practitioners or even mainstream practitioners. I believe that there's a lot to be learnt from old-fashioned topical applications that are well-documented, written up in the literature that I'm referring to. And with cod liver oil, this is a remarkable remedy. I've seen it uh, when joined with honey in addressing varicose ulcers, etc. But on its own, it is well-documented to be a specific, proven, safe, a mollifying and soothing remedy for chronic bed sores. Bed sores. Mm. Uh, What I mean... These are difficult to cure, and the literature says that uh, the the application of cod liver oil to any of these lesions brings about almost an instantaneous comfort. And there's no stinging, there's no burning, and uh, with a a dressing properly applied by the doctor or the nurse, it can stimulate healing because it also has some antibacterial characteristics. So looking at all those possibilities... To get about this this quite re- this quite remarkable remedy, I'm preaching the gospel today, as you might see, about <laughs> trying to get uh, doctors and pharmacists uh, looking at an old-fashioned tonic remedy, but looking also at scripting it or manufacturing it or producing uh, medications as our compound pharmacists can do, based on cod liver oil, to address some of these wretched lesions that elderly people are particularly prone to, and particularly diabetic people. The, the, the incidence of ulceration on the legs of diabetics is very, very serious and can lead to very, very complicated conditions. I have seen the benefits of cod liver oil, admittedly with honey, on those lesions. Listeners, take away what we're talking about today rather briefly. I know I'm fired up, but go and get yourself some cod liver oil. Don't spend your money on pills and tablets and capsules and things like that unless it's absolutely necessary. Go and get a bottle of the most worst-tasting substance you've ever taken in your life, but which may have a lot for you. And that, in <laughs> fact, is possibly why so many people prefer I can, to... Jane, buy. I can remember it as a kid growing up in Crest Road, Wall's End. It seemed to be ritualistic in those days for parents to doc- doctor their kids up with something at the end of the week. My wife tells me that she was doctored up regularly with, with Waterbridge Compound and only recently she's gone back on it and I think it's doing her a lot of good. But we were, we were doctored up 
on, 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 on high pole, which was still out there in a great preparation, but I would run around the house six times to get away from taking it, but we always got it, and I'm convinced it did us good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got you where you are today. I believe it's Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart talking to you. Dennis, Gail is on the line from Cessna. Hello, Gail. Hello, Jane. How are you? Hello, Gail. How are you? Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. The reason I'm ringing mm-hmm. is I want to say a very big thank you to you. You seen my girlfriend on Tuesday in your Cessnock room oh, yes. from um, Jill from Sydney. I do. I remember her. I remember with the Crohn's disease. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She is so thrilled to oh, have met you. Oh, and... really? That's surprising. <laughs> No, she, she's absolutely overjoyed. Okay. I haven't, I've not seen her like this for many years, many oh, years. That's lovely. And, and she'll do um, as you well. know, she's you know pretty much been to hell and back. Yes, yes, but yes. Um, but uh, she has all the faith, all the faith in you, and she's looking forward to seeing you again next well, month. Well, actually, well, 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 confidence is important. Confidence in your doctor, confidence in your surgeon, your specialist and confidence even in your natural therapist. That always helps in a healing process. But thank you, Gail, for ringing in. I'm very impressed. My dear wife will be overwhelmed to think that someone was overawed with my ugly presence, but never mind. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Gail. 49216216 if you have a question or a topic for Dennis to talk about. And, of course, we're talking about oils as we well, are. Dennis. Olive oil has featured occasionally. And, look, we've touched on it over the years, and... Uh, I look at these things and I think, how is it that these things have so much potential in medicine and yet they're not being used when the information there suggests they should be used? Now, olive oil is quite different, of course, to cod liver oil, but, but olive oil is one of the most used oils in the world. We talk about, for instance, on this program frequently, the characteristics of the Mediterranean diet. Well, olives and olive oil are pretty well the backbone of that diet and probably explains why those living in a culture where olives and olive olive oil are ingested regularly on a daily basis are free from some of the conditions that we tend to experience. One of the things that needs to be taken on board is that a very useful way of resisting the development of gallstones is to start to take olive oil on a regular daily basis, anything up to 30 mils a day, because one of the highest indications, even in the medical literature that I'm referring to, old-fashioned mainstream medical literature, olive oil is seen to have a prophylactic benefit in resisting a gallstone development. Secondarily, and equally importantly, as a daily agent taken during uh, or taken in the diet, it has the ability to subdue gallbladder colic. Many people, many elderly people, uh, are not fit, if you like, to undergo uh, a gallbladder procedure. Uh, these days, even though it's, it's um, generally done by keyhole, for some elderly people it might not be desirable, or even for people who aren't elderly who are, have complicated health problems. Now, the good thing about olive oil is that it can have a sedative effect on what we sometimes refer to as the grumbling gallbladder. And the other thing about it is it works in harmony with the liver. And in fact, many have argued that this is how olive oil works. It is what we call a choleretic agent, C-H-O-L-E-R-I-T-I-C, a choleretic agent. And what that means is that it encourages the liver's production and excretion of bile, 
and similarly from the gallbladder, which is a storage vessel, it encourages normalisation of biliary activity from that. And as a result, the concentration of bile in the gallbladder is lessened and arguably the development of gallstones is lessened. So here is a remarkable agent that's not taken enough yet in our diet. Admittedly, I would argue that we in Australia, due to our incredibly multinational, multicultural characteristics and the way in which we have taken on board many characteristics of diets from overseas, I would argue that Australians are in fact probably leading the English-speaking world in their understanding and use of some of these things that I'm talking about, particularly the use of olive oil. And, of course, I come from a part of the world where olives and, and, and grapes are, are basic to it. And uh, the, the, the regular, and I'm, I'm preaching this, the regular daily use of olive oil. And people say, oh, look, I cook with olive oil. Look, that's great, but we're talking about using olive oil as a regular part of the diet, and that can mean something like taking, say, 30 mils of olive oil daily, straight down the hatch. Beautiful stuff. The other thing about that is, Jane is just giggling here, I, don't, I, I can handle it very well. Uh, and by the way, there are various tastes associated with olive oil, and you'll see the day, particularly in the Hunter, when olive uh, producers and olive oil producers will have not necessarily wine tasting, but olive oil tasting. And I look for that day and encourage them to do it. I um, have to say that I've seen an olive oil tasting. Have you really? Okay, well, you're in front of me and I live there. How can that be? But the the other thing about it is um, anyone in any system of medicine will know that constipation is endemic. People don't like talking about it, but it is something that's out there and many people struggle and agonise over it. And they take all sorts of things to try to regulate it. If only people realised that a daily ingestion, a daily ingestion of virgin olive oil, about 30 mils a day, has one of the most regulating, naturally stimulating effects on the bowel that we can think of. And it virtually costs you nothing. So why wouldn't we be using it? And the 30 mils is about a dessert spoonful. Yeah, it's, it's not a lot. it's flat. Now, I'd yeah, use about that much in a salad dressing. Well, that that's, you're, you're, job, you're on the money. David, you've, got, uh, you've rung in from Siam and you've got a question about cod liver oil. Yes, hi, Dennis. Thanks Hello, David. Me. How are you? Quite well on yourself. Thank you. I'm, I'm well. Well, I'm glad you've brought up about the cod liver oil today. I was starting to think I might have been abused as a kid. <laughs> I would probably share those sentiments, but it didn't do us any harm. Oh, no, when you spread the steaks around the house, I was the same as a kid. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a habit. But look, I, I, I think my fairly um, robust health and my uh, robust resistance uh, has a lot to do, I put it down to, my early introduction to a remedy which at that stage was probably better understood than what it is today. Would kids take those things today? Well, they should. <laughs> oh, well, I love Brussels sprouts too. We, we must have been in the same, same street. <laughs> I think it was. Oil. I think it was fairly characteristic, and the, the downside <laughs> to that was if you got caught, you usually got got a smack on the behind and a double dose. <laughs> it was many years. It was many years ago, Dennis. 
I don't know whether it was a bribe, maybe, at the end of it, to make the cunt come up in front and have it. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what to think about, David. Um, our generation, I don't like to boast about our generation, but I, I look at kids today, even my own grandchildren in particular, and I see them being raised in a way that's a good way, but when we were growing up, uh, we went. I went to school barefooted, to Jesmond School, and it was only when I went to Adamstown in what we used to call fourth class that I ever wore shoes. I can never remember, let me emphasise, I can never remember having a day off sick. We lived on fairly simple working class food. We didn't fill ourselves with a lot of supplements. It was good tucker and occasionally something like this, cod liver oil, and I put a lot of that down, that, that, that lifestyle useful supplements in, in, to a degree and stuff that was cheap, well understood, and in those days even emphasised by some of the older GPs, I put down our robust generational health to, to, to family activities like that, stoking your kids up on something that they mightn't have known much about, which I believe has contributed to our robustness. Oh, well done, How David. about that? That's a defence of our generation. Yeah, good health's <laughs> a great thing to have, and the start of it is, no doubt, when we're kids. Thank you, David, for your call. Uh, Ralph uh, has rung in from Ellamore Vale, and you've got a question about cod liver oil too, yes? Hello. Hello, Ralph. Yes, hello. How are you? Good. Good. Um... When I was about 10, I had my tonsils out. Yes. And after that, the doctor put me on cod liver oil. Great. How long, how long ago was that, Ralph? Um, 54 years ago. Yeah, there you go. So it was, it was being used but, about that time when I yeah. uh, said a lot of the literature was written on it. Yeah. But the trouble is, I loved it, and I immediately felt the benefits of it. Good. And I've since tried to purchase it. Yes. And I can't purchase the old-fashioned cod liver oil, only this triple-filtered garbage that they make these days. Okay. Look, uh, that's a difficult question to answer. All I can say is that I would concur that there are various grades and perhaps even various qualities of cod liver oil. What You're out at Ellamore Vale. Hop into, yes. you, hop into your health food store out there, Vitology, and see the, the lasses or Ian out there, put that to them because with all due respects, they're up to speed on quality. They're up to speed on what they consider to be the best and they spend time talking to you. So what I'd suggest you do is rather than me go into controversial or debatable comments about various uh, products, go and have a talk with them. I'm sure, I am sure, let me emphasise, that you'll be able to get the cod liver oil that you require. And, okay. and I'm sure most uh, reputable health of course, food stores of course. would do the and, same. And let me just, let me just say about our health area. food stores, uh, all of them, as far as I'm concerned, in this town particularly and the environments, are some of the best trained operators that I'm aware of. And I get round the health food stores and practitioners. I have a tour around Australia coming up in June. I get to know the industry. And Newcastle has some of the best qualified uh, people who are genuine and who give good advice, who are not just interested in selling you a product. And that's the difference, perhaps, in going to a smaller shop where you get personalised service with people that have knowledge than perhaps just going and taking something off a shelf. Mm. So good luck with that, Ralph. Bev has rung in from Toronto and uh, a different kind of oil, Bev, fish oil capsules. Hello, Bev. Oh, hi. Um, yes, I've been taking uh, four... Fish oil capsules, yes, a thousand yes. 
yes, milligrams. Yes. But I'm wondering if that is, is as good as okay. the cod liver oil. Okay. Fish, fish oil is different to cod liver oil. Cod liver oil is an oil based on the, on the liver of cods, mm-hmm. whereas, whereas, whereas fish oil is the oil extracted from the fish entirely. Mm-hmm. So there right. is a difference in the chemistry. The chemistry mm-hmm. of the fish oil is different. It has some uh, useful and well-known constituents in it which have uh, properties, even anti-inflammatory properties, which make uh, fish oil capsules in a dose a little bit more than 4,000 milligrams. Most of the literature that I read uh, suggests about 6,000 milligrams of fish oils is useful as a means of progressively helping, helping manage the discomfort and the inflammation of rheumatoid arthritis. So it is a different it is a different oil. It would share to some degree some of the characteristics, but it wouldn't be as rich in the vitamin A and the vitamin D content that the cod liver oil has. Right. Well, I have got the osteoarthritis, and yes. the specialist seems to think I might have the rheumatoid. Yes. Well, there you would find. Um, there you would find, and I'm sure your your specialist will probably concur with this. There you would find that the the modern literature on the fish oils, particularly an understanding of their unique chemistry, makes them useful adjunctive therapy. And and these well, days, as you know, um, uh, the the uh, the cost of these things is very very much reduced to what it was, yes. uh, but mm. but push your dosage up to about 6,000 yeah. milligrams. Uh, discuss that, of course, with your medical managers, but that's the dose that I recommend to my patients. I think you're on the right track. Right, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, too, when I was a child brought up in the war years, yes. um, my mum gave us cod liver oil or yes. Scott's emulsion. Yes, that's right. That's right. There, there was, in fact, I'm looking at copies from the uh, Martindale's Pharmacopeia in front of me, and the, the old formula for making up cod liver oil emulsion is there, staring me in the face. I think that preparation is still available. Oh yes. Well, I I know we lived in the cold part yes. of Bathurst and Lisco, yes, yes. and uh, I had my cousin's two daughters staying with us through three, four months of yes. the coldest part of the year. Yes. And I used to line my two and her two yes. up and give them <laughs> scotch emulsion. <laughs> and I, I bet they <laughs> loved they you. Hated. I bet they, they loved you. But I, I, bet they, I bet they got through winters without too many problems. Yes, yes, they didn't get sick at all. There you go. <laughs> Ah, it's wonderful. As good as a flu. There'll be a big big push for cod liver oil in this town today, I think. I reckon. (laughs) Annette has rung in from Nelson Bay. A different kind of oil, flaxseed oil, Annette. Flaxseed, linseed oil. Good morning, Dallas. Hello, Hello, Annette. I've been listening to you, and I also grew up on cod liver oil during the Second World War in Holland. Yeah, there you go. I, I cannot remember being one day absent from school. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for now, saying that. Thank you. Okay. I think uh, flaxseed oil on yes. a daily basis. Yes. What is your opinion on that? I think flaxseed oil is, is very good. It shares some of the characteristics, interestingly, of fish oils. But right. uh, And I know some patients that use capsules that have a blend of both flaxseed and fish oil in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. F- for uh, inflammatory conditions, they are useful. But one of the things, Annette, that I get uh, feedback from patients and have done over the years, and I know, I know it sounds controversial and there may be no science to support it, but it's feedback that I get from, from patients and listeners, is that flaxseed oil 
when taken regularly, has some ability to lessen the symptoms of dry eyes. Now, look, I know that's going to sound controversial, and there yeah. may be uh, health professionals out there that say, there he goes again. But I pass on what people pass on to me, and I have no need to doubt it when patients regularly or clients regularly say or listeners regularly say flaxseed oil has helped in managing my dry eye condition. So there you go. But uh, do you think that uh, apart from that I should also take another oil? Oh, look... Um, if you were raised on cod liver oil, I'd, I'd suggest that at this stage of your life, when you and I have a little bit older than teenagers, it might be useful to take a little bit of the uh, the cod liver oil. I see. Okay. Right. <laughs> ah, there you go. You must, if you yeah. had heard my introduction, you would have uh, noticed that I put it forward as being a particularly useful supplement for people at our stage in life because I think you'd be about the same age as I would be, about 36. So, yeah, I'm about, I'm about 23. <laughs> oh, 23 <laughs> is the way to go. You, 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 get, never, you get back on it and, 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 re, and remember the old days when it, when oh, it kept you definitely. going. Oh, definitely. In Holland it was very cold it and was. people got sick, but I never got sick. You know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you something about... Holland during the Second World War, um, not only did you use a lot of cod liver oil, but there was a pharmacist called Dr. Reavers, and he discovered that a lot of people um, uh, used to come and get a medicine with a lot of licorice in it, and these uh, people had been suffering uh, ulcers, peptic ulcers, ulcers of the stomach. And um, everyone that came that was taking this medicine claimed that licorice was doing their ulcerated stomach the world of good. So he didn't dismiss it. He investigated it and found, as we well know, that licorice contains some very useful chemical constituents which subdue inflammatory activity, not just on the gut, but also on the skin. So out of Holland, even during the Second World War, through the work of of Dr. Reavers, our modern understanding of the medical use of glycorrhiza glabra, or licorice as we call it, it was developed in Holland at that time. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM, and we are talking oils, lots of oils. In fact, uh, Jan has rung in. Uh, yes, Dennis, I'd like to know if there's a, a preference in taking um, liquid fish oil to capsules. Oh, look, I'm all for simplicity. Um, some people can't handle um, liquid uh, fish oils or cod liver oil, so the modern capsule bypasses that, that problem for them. Um, I think uh, taking it in, in an encapsulated form is probably easier uh, to take a, a dose that you're trying to achieve. For instance, I spoke a moment ago about uh, using fish oils in something like 6,000 milligrams. Well, if you were taking capsules, generally speaking, they'll be a 1,000 milligram capsule, so it's probably a bit easier uh, to ensure that you're getting a dose that is in the literature uh, necessary to try to get an effect in some of these conditions. However, also with the with the liquid forms, which may in fact be a little bit cheaper, um, it's pretty easy um, to uh, work out what is equivalent if you've got a little medicine glass and you, you say, pour, say, something like six mils of fish oil into a medicine glass... Um, you're getting roughly the same as what you'd get in 6,000 milligrams of a capsule. It's really, it's really much as much as I, I really can't say that one is better than the other. It comes back to convenience. It comes back to taste. 
and it comes back to how much time you want to spend making sure that you're getting the adequate dosage, particularly if it's been prescribed in a dosage for you. And that's a good question to ask too. Thank you, Jan. Michelle has rung in from Wickham. Michelle, your question's about oils and whether they might help with Sjogren's syndrome and cirrhotic arthritis, yes? Hello, Michelle. Hi. Hi, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well indeed. I'll be down your way shortly. I always go to the fish market on Friday afternoon after the program and and, uh, frequent, frequent some of my old haunts. <laughs> so, yeah, I used to eat a lot of fish, but just my diet's changed lately, so I've got to go back to it because yeah, get I know back how to good it, it is. You, you've heard us preach on this program about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, with its emphasis on fish and oils. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but you've got uh, you've got Shrogans well, and you've got psoriatic well, I, arthritis. I just wanted to um, support what you've been mm. saying to mm-hmm. do with. Um, my mum, who passed away, um, it will be six years this year, yes. she had Shrogan syndrome. Uh, yes. She had rheumatic fever when I was two, yes. Shrogan syndrome. Then she developed cardiomyopathy, yes. which attacked her heart, and yeah, that's what did, took yeah. her in the end. Yes. Um, but she was a very hard worker. But she, was, mm. uh, she also had rheumatoid arthritis, but she was religious about taking flaxseed oil, yes. cod liver oil, yes. Primrose yes. and fish yes. oils. Yes. So she was always taking those, and when she, a couple of times before she passed, she'd go into the cardiologist. She said, "Look, I, I have to say that I believe that you taking those for the Schrogan syndrome has helped support your heart and actually probably kept you uh, alive a lot longer." Well, isn't that interesting? And, yeah, and look, very. I, I, I was looking at the question on the board because before I was talking to you. And I realised that um, Sjogren's syndrome and psoriatic arthritis, both of those are what are called autoimmune diseases. Immune disease, yeah. And, the and same... I've got the psoriatic yeah. now. I've okay. developed it in the last year. Okay. Now, yeah. keep, keep in mind that rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome, these are all autoimmune diseases. And Sjogren's, as your dear mother would have experienced, is characterised at one level by dryness. I, I would think, I would think, and particularly... Uh, based on what you've just told me about mum's experience, um, I would think that the use of um, fish oils or flaxseed oil or a blend of both would be an inexpensive way of you perhaps working towards um, seeing some amelioration in in this uh, wretched uh, discomfort that you're in. The things, as I said earlier, they're cheap these days, you can even get them in discount pharmacies. I would suggest that you you start to go on them, but there's a certain amount of discipline involved and a certain amount of time involved. And this is the problem with a lot of uh, people using complementary medicine. Um, they're not used to the fact that these things have to grow on you. And if you're going to take something like uh, fish oils to seek to address your autoimmune condition, you should be looking at quite a few months in order to be able to assess whether they're going to do you much good. Quite apart from their effect on this particular condition, the fish oils have other benefits, the cardiovascular system, the respiratory system, that make them, again, a useful component of the diet. That is, if you are not a big fish eater. I eat a lot of fish, so there's probably not the need for me to take them in this form that we're talking about. 
I would suggest you get back onto the fish oils. And thanks for your call, mm. Michelle. And Judy has rung in from Blue Haven. And Judy... Hello, Judy. Hello, Judy. Hi. I think you've got your radio on. I wonder if you could move yeah, away yeah, from yeah. your radio. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Judy's got a question. Uh, My radio, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we can still hear it, Judy. Um, you can't turn... Oh, can you? Yeah. I'll go. Okay. Judy has a question about dementia mm. and... Um, Okay, turn it off. Oh, That's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You're with us? I'm still here, Judy. Yeah, I'll just do that and then I'll... Okay, uh, so I don't know. We could. Can Judy. oils help with... Look, Judy raised the question there about um, she's been diagnosed, I presume, with, with early dementia. What can help her? Um, look, with this condition, there is no... Uh, how can I call it, guaranteed treatment, but there are a couple of things that uh, have been used or are continuing to be used uh, by natural therapists to address the problem. And in in my experience, I, I believe there's some support to say that they do have some attenuating effect on early dementia. And it would be wrong of me not to mention the, the herb ginkgo biloba, which uh, in, a, in, a, in a conference in New York in 1986 chaired by an Italian uh, professor of medicine, Dr. Rapin, he wrote the preface to the papers of that conference and said that at that time, now admittedly that was 1986, ginkgo biloba as a standardised pharmaceutical preparation, and they're all standardised these days, held out the best possibility for addressing this problem, particularly with natural medicine. So as far as you're concerned, Judy, if you're not using a standardised preparation of ginkgo biloba, I would uh, go to your pharmacy or your health food store uh, and, and start taking it. It's I see it right at the top. There are a, a number of other things emerging. You will also find in some uh, health food stores preparations of uh, sage, red sage. Uh, some work has been done in the United Kingdom, I won't mention brand names, that have produced uh, preparations of red sage, which are claimed also to have a credible basis to the way in which they interfere with aspects of dementia. Go to your health food store, tell them you've spoken to me, or to your pharmacy, tell them you've spoken to me and you're looking for uh, two herbal preparations, uh, one of ginkgo biloba and one with a brand name that is based on uh, red sage or salvia officinalis. And that sounds like a good way to go. Mm. And, uh, Dennis, we've just got a minute or so to go. Um, I think the best thing about olive oil, as you were saying, is that it is actually a food. I think this is the whole point, that uh, we have to get back to the the idea that the Greeks had, that wonderful statement. I think it was uh, made by the Dioscorides, Galen, or might have been Hippocrates, but one of the Greek greats uh, made the statement that uh, food is our best medicine or food should become your medicine. Now, uh, to a large extent in the West, we've lost sight of that. And that's sad because health is not based on pumping ourselves up with pharmaceuticals or pumping ourselves up with massive vitamins and minerals. The starting base is a diet that incorporates food with characteristics that can help us fight disease. That's what we've been talking about today. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>